Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. Now, let's get to the review. Storm 16, Eels 12. Um, wow. What a game. Really exciting game. I tell you what, though, Eels, like, you've got to be disappointed in that performance. You've got to be disappointed because the game was there for you to win. It was in your hands. Um, they dominated most of the first half. Storm do what they always do is they hang in there. They understand that momentum's going to swing, field position's going to swing. Uh, so... Storm did what they did. They hung in a game and they get the job done somehow, some way. They've been doing it for 20 years sure. now. I've got to say for the Eels, because we have them as genuine premiership contenders, you go, it's disappointing because you would hope that they're past these kind of games now. You would hope that they're past these old bad habits. Now, I understand, look, it's, it's one round. Don't, I'm not sitting here pretending like they can't sort it out. Like I was the one, one of the only people riding them to the death last year, even when they were getting pumped in the middle of the year. But I think that, like, if you want to take that step into that next tier of club, these are the games that you've got to kind of ice, especially with such an experienced spine that have been together quite a long time now. Obviously, I know Hodgson uh, is is uh, new to the spine, but the other three have been together for a while. Um, Guru, what do you think of this game, mate? Uh, mate, I personally thought that Parramatta were their own worst enemy. I... Trying to work out what they did with their interchanges and everything blew me away. Um, Melbourne Storm used 10 interchanges. Parramatta Eels used seven. I was very surprised that game number one, they ran out with Josh Hodgson playing 80 minutes. I thought that was strange. I mean, it's seemingly, it was every opportunity they possibly could. They got Jacob Arthur a gig last year. Mm. Why wouldn't you run with a utility in this game? On top of that, Makatoa, who was, you know, in their best 17 last year, he didn't get on the field. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I couldn't. You know, you had Jermaine Hopgood, who, you know, as good as Hopgood was, played 84 minutes. His ass is falling out. You know, he gets caught a second late at marker on the last play of the game that costs them. Why are these guys out there playing 80 minutes? Mm. Why, like, I don't understand. And, you know, I, I, like, I, I personally think, and I believe this, I, I think that if Ryan Madison's there and they had him coming on through the middle, I probably think they win that game, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, no, I think Madison being there would have been a uh, big difference because I do think that forward pack was just too much for Storm to handle from a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, and you're right, like, 
that last try was purely fatigue. Like that's all it was. It's it wasn't it was. like Hopgood's not a guy that just turns off for no reason or, or it's that was purely 80 minutes he was working his ass off and he's got to quick play the ball he's got to turn around for. And I could be wrong. It was Hopgood that was getting to second marker and was it Josh Hodgson that was the A, a defender? I'm pretty um, sure it was from memory. Uh, I thought it was Hopgood getting to A. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. I'm pretty sure it was Hodgson Hopgood. Two guys that I don't know why they both had to play 84 minutes straight. Mm. You had guys on the bench, use them. I know. It, it is, it's very – it was a strange – You also had edge back rows on the bench. Move Cartwright to 13 for a little bit. And wasn't it like five there. interchanges for like 70 minutes or something like that? Yeah. yeah. It was outrageous. It was, Do you I, think that he's sitting there going, I'm just preparing for the season? Like, as in, I, I don't care about dropping points? I have no idea. Like, I cannot make any argument for – I would – like, it's Brad Arthur. He's not an idiot. He's obviously got some sort of... Um, There'd be a reason for there's it. There's reason for it. I, I desperately want to know what it is because it makes no sense to me. And you're right. I think with that, the interchanges used, when you got a fresh Makatoa on the bench, why in the world was he picked? Like, were there were the HIAs during the game that just screwed with the rotations or something or, or gave... I don't know. Like... Mm. I think you could argue that it lost them the game. Mm. And when you have a look at the bench, you know, the four guys that were there, I thought Muckatoa would have been the one they trusted the most out of all of them. Mm. And he didn't get on the field. Well, Jack Murchie is a bloke who's played edge back row his entire career. Now, he's a good frame, but he's been there as an edge. He came on and played as a middle. You've got Muckatoa, who's a genuine middle forward. I'm yeah, I, I cannot work it out. And I, I, as I said at the start, I think Parramatta were their own worst anyway. When you have a look at you know the minutes that the front rowers played, RCG played 59 minutes. Junior Bolo played 68. What? That's outrageous. <laughs> For game one, going up against the Melbourne Storm, I just I can't find any logic in it. Well, the, the logic that I could see is that you're extremely confident that you're going to be in the top eight and you are just trying to build towards – like you don't mind dropping points early mm-hmm. on in the season to give players match fitness. That's that stuff. Only logic that I could see is like you're trying to get these boys super match fit, so that by the time the end of the season rolls around, they're good to go. Yeah, all they're dead and can't move. <laughs> like, no, seriously, you, it goes just every sort of what I would have thought coaching philosophy. Early in the season, you big boys, you build them into minutes and match fitness and get them going. Like, they've got 27 rounds, so they're going to be fit by the time they get to finals. And wh- why play them that big minutes early on? Like, poor yeah. bastard. And just before the comments explode, that's not my opinion. Mm. I'm just. Uh, that's yeah. the logic that he could be using. And if you are using that yeah. logic, yeah. Which, which once again, don't hunt Kempe down. <laughs> if you are using that logic and you're not going to play Makatoa, have Jacob Arthur. Hey, have Assi there. What happens if one of the halves go down? Then what do you do? <clears throat> it, it is an interesting conversation around... The Eels bench has been questioned for, for at least 12 months now. You know, we were questioning Jacob Arthur being on the bench because he could only really replace one player. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Dylan Brown could have been that guy if he had to. And then you roll into this year, and once again, the bench does seem quite surprising. And, and it's, it's hard, because if you're Brad Arthur, you're sitting there going, well, people are having to go at me for putting my son on the bench, and now I don't, and people have gone on me because I... Yeah. But I think they're two different arguments, though. When, yeah. I don't think anyone's questioning whether Jake should, should or shouldn't be there. It's more the rotation of the bench this, yeah. this game. Yeah. And I feel like at the start of last year was when, you know, you had Jacob Arthur coming on, and Dill Brown was going to centre. I just feel like he gets a little bit too cute with his interchanges. Mm. I just you've got a formula that works, Parramatta. Just stick to it. Mm. And Makatoa like would have been so good through the middle. He's a good that's footballer. What, he's explosive. Yeah, mm. he's explosive through the middle. Uh, so that's where you just you look at everything that happened that that game, and you're like, one that got away. Imagine Eels rolling into round two, taking a storm scalp, round one. It's huge. Like, that's a team you're directly going to competing with for a home final at the end of the season. Yeah. 
And Even the confidence, it, though, like yeah, after a grand yeah. final loss. It's, we'll get to the Storm in a minute, but it, for all those reasons that I sort of probably took more out of for the Eels than, than the Storm because of these rotations and the fact that, you know, it was a game that they were in a position and probably should have won it and they didn't. And they've got, I mean, the Storm have plays out too, but Para have a bunch out. I sort of thought, you know, there's only upside from here from Para. The Storm gritted their way to it, but I've got a lot of question marks around their side as well. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not, oh, I mean, sounds unfair. Because the Storm, like, I think the Storm, they're victims of their own. Any other club gets a gutsy win like that, and you're sitting there going, what a gutsy win. What a gutsy win. You know, they hung in there. They didn't look great. They didn't look. But I think because of the Storm, we're like, yeah, of course. Of course they get a gutsy win. But it's like, I do think they deserve respect for their ability to just just hang in there somehow. Even though their roster's not as strong as it has been. Even though Munster's finger friggin' snapped off. I mean, he's, he's uh, to come back on like that's incredible. I know that like sometimes Munster, like he's a little bit of a rogue and whatnot, but like if you ever want to question his leadership qualities, look at that. Oh, like no one would associate Munster with toughness. The bloke had a compound fracture, round one, straps it up, there's blood everywhere, goes back out there, and basically without him on the field, there's no way they can get back into that game. Oh, without a doubt. There's I mean, no th- way. That play that he came up with off the scrum, like – he just make, he makes stuff look so easy, doesn't he? So good. He's so good. With a compound fracture. Do you, do you think, and this, it might sound stupid, but with because the Storm had that what, 22, 23-year uh, streak of not being bent in round one, had that not been on the line, being round one compound fracture, like, mate, they had a utility on the bench to slot straight into the halves. <coughs> Jack and that played a factor in him going back out. I'm like, no, I want to keep this streak. No, I think it would have been because like basically speaking to people at the Storm and like Cam Smith and that, the way they see things is whether it's round one or a grand final, mm. we have a set of standards that we always hit, reach. So for example, how often do we see if it was a grand final he would have played? If it was a grand final, he would have made that tackle or whatever. Storm are trying to instill a culture, or and they have instilled a culture of, you never have to say that. If it was yep. a grand final, he would have done this. Because they say, whatever game we play, we try to play as hard, as strong as we can. And that's how they get wins like that. Which is why they've won 23 or whatever it is, round one to start the season. Yep. Where, where other clubs would have gone, you know, camp, round one. Like, just stay off, mate. Yeah, just stay off. Just stay off. If we drop these points, we're going to play finals footy anyway. There's nothing to worry about. Isn't that a mate? Like that 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 record now of 23 in a row, whatever it is. Like every single team they've played, they've come up against, sort of come into that season going, okay, we can start our season off yeah. flying here if we knock over Melbourne and we finish this record. Yeah. To be able, and like obviously across 23 years, the team the teams has changed so much every single year, and for yeah. them to hold that record. I think it's incredible. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And, and the way they did it, the gutsy nature. And it's, so that's why it's going to be such a, I guess, a polarising next few minutes because although you have to give them so many raps for them getting the job done and just showing that they're the grittiest, comp in, they're the grittiest team in the competition and they will probably always be that while Craig Bellamy is involved. In saying that, they weren't that impressive in my opinion. Mm. I, I was really, I guess... Their forward pack doesn't really have the punch it needs at this stage. Now, in their defence, Christian Walsh, he's been out with an Achilles injury for a while. Kamakamitha is injured. So they, they may grow into it. They may grow into it. But when you look at the punch that Bromwich and Kofusi could bring and did bring for their new club, I tell you what, if that Kofusi and Bromwich were playing for Storm, I think they 
have massive impact on that game. And look, I understand it's easy for me to say and clubs need to make calls on players when they hit a certain age. I get that. And I'm not saying that it was the wrong call for Storm to move those guys on. I'm just saying, like, compared to what they have had of yesteryear, their forward pack just lacked a bit of punch that I'm, that I'm used to seeing from the Storm. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think uh, I said on, on Friday night at the live show, I said that, you know, if Parramatta or Storm would have played Roosters or Penrith, I think they both would have got beat that night. Maybe I should have said if they would have played the Dolphins, they would have got beat. Yeah, but, not the Roosters. Um, yeah, I, I don't think either team will be overly happy with that performance. I think Melbourne will be happy to get away with two points, but uh, both have a, a, a lot more um, to improve on out of that. Mm. Let's uh, we'll, we'll go back to the Eels and, and just get through the Eels first. Josh Hodson, how do we rate his, his uh, performance? I thought he did really well, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have played him for 80 minutes, and there was around about the 50-minute mark. I, I thought his ass was about to fall out the back, but then he just found a new level to go to again. Uh, I've been saying for a long time, I don't, like, I don't think he should have played 80 minutes, and I wouldn't have played him for 80 minutes, but he did a lot better than what, what, what I thought. Mm. Timmy? I thought Hodge was good. Really crafty for that try for Junior Barlow. Uh, again, I said for his first NRL game back to go the distance shows that you know he hasn't missed missed too much of a step. The combinations he has with Moses and Dill Brown, they're only get better and better. I think there's some real good signs. He was sort of, you know, even when he wasn't sort of getting to, to dummy half when they were sort of parked on the edges there, he'd sit in the middle and sort of play that link man role for them. And I thought it was really effective. Uh, I was impressed. Yeah, I thought he was mostly really good. Mostly really good. There were just a few moments that I think were crucial that he, especially in the end, there was a point where, and we spoke about it on the live show, but there was a point where Mitchell Moses had set up for a field goal. Dylan Brown. Now, I don't know whether Dylan Brown called the overs call. And so basically for people listening, what an overs call is, is basically, you, you know, at the Broncos, we used to call it Porkies or Red. No, Red was in defense. Porkies at the Broncos. So whoever caught Porkies, you, the nine is supposed to pass on the ball, no matter what. So I don't know if Dill called that. And if he did, then you've got to put the onus on Dill, I guess, mm. for making that call. But he passed it to Dylan Brown instead of passing it to Mitchell Moses. And that's, that was a moment where I think like you saw the inexperience of them all working together. Because I feel like by the end of the season, he would have passed that to Mitchell Moses knowing that, you know, Mitchell Moses is the guy in that situation. Yep. He's the guy you just have to get it to and deal with the consequences of not doing a Porky's call or an Overs call later. Uh, because then you, what happened is, is basically a few minutes later, Put it this way, if you make that overs call, you better make the play. It's kind of like jamming in for a winger. You can jam in if you want, but if you miss that tackle, you that's a failure. And so I think that the, the tiny touch of difference in Harry Grant being the best hooker in the game and having played all last year in, for the World Cup was when he made his overs call, won the game for him. Yeah. And so that was the, there was a few other service things with Hodgson. This is me being super critical of Hodgson. I'm not saying I I think overall he had a great game. I'm just saying there were just a few little ironing out things. I also think um, I do think him and Mitchell Moses are going to take a little bit long longer to to gel because we did see uh, we did see Hodgson attack quite regularly out of dummy half. I thought it was going to take him a while to grow into that, but he seems to be quite confident in that, and it worked. Like we saw Paolo score that great try and that was all Hodgson set up but it's going to take a little bit of time because we have to remember like this team has been so dominated by Mitchell Moses for like four or five years and I, I will say like Mitchell Moses whether it was his 
I don't, I'm not saying it was Josh Hodgson's fault at all, but it did seem that Mitch Moses just wasn't really in the match that much. And that's Mitchell Moses' responsibility. It's not Hodgson. <laughs> but especially in the second half, like, you know, I'm trying to – and, you know, maybe I was too busy taking my shirt off eating liver. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't recall him having a, a footprint on the game in that second half. Uh, you guys would have Yeah, no, it. I felt very similar. Yeah. Do you um, think that's a, a concern? Like Mitchell Moses, you should he should be completely controlling the game. So the one that worried me was there was a moment, I think it was with about five minutes ago, it was 12 all. Um, Trent Leary was coming out of his own end. He had a bad knock on. Parramatta had a scrum. They ran out. Mm. That yep. was the moment where I just went, what is Moses doing? Mm. That, that, that set, like he, they, they need to all know exactly what they were doing and have an objective, that whole set. To turn it like to, to, on first tackle to do that, oh. when it's 12 or with a few minutes to go, that was a huge worry for me. And, mm. and if, it was from that moment on that I went, okay, if they lose this, so be it. Mm. They don't deserve it after yeah. that. And so that, I guess the if you're being super critical of yours, you would hope that after all the progress they'd <laughs> made, that that was out of their game, these these mm. these weird situations where they just don't seem to be out of ice games. Do you think Mitchell Moses is in a space now where, for his benefit and the clubs, this deal needs to get done, and sooner rather than later? Because if they go out and lose another match or two, can you get up who they're playing in the next couple of weeks? If they brutal go, draw. Brutal draw. Really tough. So it, there's a world where they go 0-3. Mm. If he hasn't re-signed yet... All of a sudden, it becomes a circus around the fact that he hasn't resigned. It's creating drama. You know what I mean? Like you know all the narratives that we're so used to. Who have they got, Matty? So the Eels have got <coughs> next week. They've got Cronulla, then Manly, then Panthers, then Roosters. Oh, just on their draw as well to make it even harder. They play Manly off a bye. They play Penrith off a bye, and they play the Roosters off a bye. So they play three teams in a oh. row that have two weeks to prepare for them. <laughs> which I don't know. How on earth that managed to happen in the mm. draw that you have to play Manly, who I mean, they're looking like the form side at the moment. They looked incredible. But even before that, in preseason, you have to play the Panthers and the Roosters, the two Premiership heavyweights, back to back off buys. Mm. That's outrageous for in a seventeen team comp for any team to play three teams in a row off buys is crazy. Mm. It's unfair. It is unfair. It's, that's bullshit. Yeah, you shouldn't have to play three teams fresh off buys. Mm. Oh, so like. I think for the Eels' sake, for Mitch Moses' sake, get the deal done, bro. Get it done. Because if it's not done in the next few weeks, they are got, like he is going to get annihilated. Annihilated. If, if they struggle. If they go out and they win next week, you know, there's no dramas. But if they start losing, he is going to get fizzled. Yeah, I, mate, I was, I was driving to Armadale the other night as, you know, in the lead up to the game. I had the radio on. I had a post ready. I thought they're definitely going to announce this tonight. Mm, yeah. Mitch Moses is going to announce just before kickoff I to get for him sure. up for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I can't, I can't, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. What do you reckon, Timmy? Do you reckon that he needs to, is that something, or just, no, nah, don't worry about it? Oh, sooner the better, of course. Mm. And I think just on back to the Hodgson and his combinations with Brown and Moses, we sort of, I've sort of been quite vocal about how, as much of a superstar as he was at the Raiders and how integral he was to that, being such a dominant playmaking hooker. Mm. And we thought at Parramatta, particularly coming off his ACL injury with two star halves there, he would take a backseat, particularly early on and just dish early ball, provide good service. He sort of went straight back to... I don't think he overplayed his hand, but with the nature of his relationship with his two-star halves, I thought he probably overplayed his hand a little bit. It's going to take a lot of getting used to. Like, this is Josh Hodgson, who his entire career has been almost the key playmaker in the spine of his side, Mm. especially the Raiders. And now that's not his role. So it's going to take... I think longer than we think for these three to get that combination right. And they're like they're coming off a Reed Marnie who was genuinely 
willing to just serve us. Yeah. Because we look how good Reed Marnie is playing at the dogs, and you're going, where has this been? You know, it's always been there. He just hasn't had the opportunity. It wasn't his role. Because he's, yeah. he's such a role player. Mm. And so I do think this Hodgson-Moses-Brown thing, just keep an eye on it. And, and Gutho. Because, like, even Gutho, Gutho wasn't – like, their heart, their spine, I didn't really see them that involved, which is so – like, with the Eels, it's – or it's the, either the Gutho show, the Moses show, or the Brown show, mm. all the time. Whereas I'd have to say it was probably the Hodjo show. Yeah, and I like with the way that um, Jermaine Hopkins was offloading. Mm. I thought, geez, this is great for Parramatta. Yeah. This is unreal. But even off the back of that, their their second phase footy was non-existent compared to what we've seen last year. Mm. The years leading up to it. It's going to be interesting. Um, That's the problem, Camby. It's it's always the Hodjo show, and mm. I don't say that as if it's a good thing. Mm. He needs to learn to take a step back and say, you know what. Like, he doesn't need to role play to the extent that Marnie did it and, and never try and create it and mm. never try and dart out dummy half because it's what makes him such a special player. But he does need to take a back seat. Mm. In, in that role. And, and we, we spoke about this last year when he signed. We said, yeah. Hodgson on his day, one of the best hookers in the game, bar none. And I still think, I think we can all agree, he played a good game. Played a good yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. played fantastic. But, like, long term, I, th- I think that gelling is going to be... It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I personally, which I, I, I'm interested to hear, hear your takes on this. I, I personally thought the gelling was better than what I expected, mm. to be honest. I, I thought it would be worse. So I'm interested, you know. By, well, by it's hard because, because we don't have enough evidence. It's hard to say whether Dylan Brown, Moses and Gutho just had quiet games. Mm. It, and they just had quiet games because they had quiet games last year as well. Or they had quiet games because they were struggling to get used to the flow of the the, the ruck, uh positions on the field so it's it's hard to say it's just hard to say like now if we're five games in and, and it's we haven't seen any Mitchell Moses show Brown show Gutho show that's when you can start going okay maybe that gelling isn't happening as well as we thought and I think I think as well like without coming back to it again I, I, like they, they missed Ryan Madison so much mm. they just had nothing off the bench yeah you could see the drop off and as we all know with halfbacks 5'8 like you can only play as well as your forward pack allows you to mm. I thought Junior was amazing, and RCG. He was, for yeah. sure, but like, I, I think that they needed something extra. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, Guru, where, where Hodjo did gel well with them is that um, for any sort of non-major footyheads out there, you, you hooker, when you basically don't want them going from side to field to side of the field and getting a dummy half because, you know, it's unsustainable. So essentially, like, anywhere, if the ball goes anywhere near, like, the tram lines, either side of the field, the, there's dotted lines about what are they about five metres in yeah. um, they just say whoever the centre or wing is there get into dummy half and service there when they were doing that and getting to that point Hodjo was playing as the 13 essentially really good and, and being the link man between Moses and Brown mm. and I think that that was even that situation where he set up the try for Bolo that's where I thought it was really smooth and, and, and effective and that's a bit of what the role he played at times at the Raiders where uh, when Tommy Starling would come on after 20 minutes, Hodjo would go to Locker and be the link man between the halves. Uh, mm. I, really good there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When they when they got to the edges and he became that link man, I thought it was fantastic. That gelled like way better than I thought it would. Um, I think I would have to go back and watch it again, but I would love to see like how many times was Mitch Moses screaming down a short side and he didn't get the ball. Maybe there were zero times or maybe there were a few mm. times. I have to try to rewatch it. But That's right. I also think on that try, like... 
granted it was Josh Hodgson that was there, but I personally think that Dill Brown or Mitch Moses, whoever was standing in that spot when Cameron Munster lost his <laughs> oh. mind for a split second, would have done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that if it was Moses or Dill Brown there, we're probably talking about them a little bit differently because then they'd have a tri on the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was strange by Munster, you, you, wasn't it? You really don't want to give him a hard time because he came back onto the field and won him a game with a compound fracture in his finger. But that was a howler, wasn't it? Well, what it basic that's basically like you've they've made their defensive decision before the like so they've real recognize they've got short numbers so they're just trying to shut the play down and basically pressure they may have been given um, maybe before the game defensively tactically they were told we just want to put pressure on dylan brown and mitchell moses Mm -hmm. and so that's where you sometimes can see halves shooting out a line and getting to mitchell moses because or to dylan brown and it can work a lot of the time but when you've got a guy like crafty like hodgson that identifies it then that's when you play around you know, five, ten metres in, because usually you're trying to get to your half, isolate the edges there, have, like, big spaces between. But if you're constantly getting pressure from the outside, it's really hard for a half to do that. And then all of a sudden, his game gets flustered. All of a sudden, he doesn't uh, adjust. Like, for example, I think it was um, 2020 grand final when Storm beat Penrith. Like, the pressure, and I think also Queensland, in that first game in one of the series, where you just saw every time Cleary got the ball, someone was hitting him Mm -hmm. straight away. And so that may have been why Munster was yeah. doing what he did because he, w- he was trying to land. As soon as Mitchell Moses got the ball, boom, hitting him. And so that he wants to make it so Moses, every time a ball is floating towards him, Moses is thinking, please don't be getting hit. please don't. And it just rattles the mind a bit. But it was a bad read. Like it was, I'm not excusing the read at all. I'm just saying that's how those kind of things can happen yeah. sometimes. Um, <clears throat> and it was, yeah, great side by Hodgson. So I, I thought I thought Hodgson had a good game. Um, I just I need I want to see more rugby league from the Eels to see whether this is an issue. They may come out next week and absolutely blitz the Sharks, and we go. You know what? It was just a quiet game from the Spawn. That's that's that simple. Yeah, and I think that's obviously a major theme of today that it is a small sample size. Yeah, you just don't like, know. You know what teams are looking like after five and six weeks, realistically. Yeah, realistically. And, and let's not let's not overlook the fact that you know Papali and Sean Lane would. Two of the most integral players to their yeah. taste touch last year. They didn't have them. They had two new back rollers. So it's like, it's going to take time for these things to, to Exactly. Work. And Dylan Brown, what was his biggest weapon? It was Sean Lane. The amount of times he would just go to the line, hit Sean Lane short, go to the line, hit Sean Lane short. And then on the third or fourth one, that's when he'd run the ball. And he didn't really have that pairing with someone. So it's going it, to gonna take a little bit of time for the Eels, I think. The disappointing thing for me, though, was if they came out and just got dominated through the middle and lost... I'd almost be more happy to go, you know what, it's going to take time, don't stress too much. It's the fact that they, were, they had the game in control and they just let it fall away um, with a storm slide that didn't really play that good to do it to them. And Cam Munster was off for, what, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, disclaimer as well, guys, it's round one. We understand that. It's a long season. We understand that our opinion can completely change next week when we see them play really well. Uh, let's get to the storm. Um, so, Cam Munster's performance is incredible. Harry Grant is absolutely phenomenal. That second half, so they're under the pump the whole first half, basically. They do an incredible job to stay in the storm. Harry Grant comes out in the second half. I think that he changed the game. Like, he genuinely went, oh, Cam Munster's off. I'm going to take full ownership of this. Boom. Took control of the game, change of momentum. All of a sudden, the Storm have got quick play of the balls. They've got uh, heaps of space on the edges. And then, obviously, the match went up. Harry Grant is something special, like truly something special. It's wild when you look at his stats. And, you know, when I thought back to his game the other night, I thought he was everywhere. He was electric. Mm. 
How many metres he ran for? 72. Really? But they were an effective 72. Oh. And it's, I think it's something that Harry Grant does better than anyone in the league right now, which Cameron Smith did better than anyone for a long time. It's those, it's that metre and a half he takes out of dummy half just to take the markers completely out of play. And it keep, and it also it keeps the A and B defenders honest. Yep. As soon as he steps out like that, you can't afford to just start screaming up towards your your defender. Well, above, above anything else, that's the hooker's job mm. to take the marks out of play, and that's exactly as you said. That's what made Cameron Smith so special. Is Freak at it. Yeah. yeah, and we go back to two weeks ago, that World Club Challenge. That's why they won. That's mm. why they beat Penrith, because James Roby was fantastic at it as well. And it sounds so simple, but when you've got a hooker that knows how to do it properly and does it properly for 80 minutes, it makes such a big difference. Oh, massively. Like, sometimes when you're watching a game and you're like, you see teams, they're, they're doing their set plays. So out the back, out the back, and you're like, there is no room on the edges. Like, these, these players are doing mm. nothing. <clears throat> It's usually because their dummy half just hasn't really held back that ruck. Because if, if the dummy half just goes off the deck straight away and the defence are onto it, they just go boom, up, slide, easy defence. If you engage the markers properly, you're essentially taking one to two players out of the defensive line every play. Every single play. And if you've engaged the markers, then you've engaged the A. Because the A, if the markers miss, has to be there. Uh, what was the try? It was um, Jeremy Marshall King got out. Saw that Lodge was offside, engaged Lodge. What happened? The A didn't cover enough for Lodge. He, uh, I think it was Butcher, went for the intercept and he just went straight through. And that's where, like, if you engage the marker, you're essentially engaging the A to stop things like that happening. And if you're looking for an example of, you know, a hooker that did that perfectly on the weekend that's not a superstar, it's Jeremy Marshall. King. He was incredible. He was yeah. so good. And, th- and then you have the situation where, again, defining that the best and, and the, the lesser hookers in the game, you know, you get a quick play, the ball, the marker's a bit scrambled and you've got numbers out wide, it is just giving quick early service straight mm. off the deck as opposed to taking those two steps and giving the defensive line time to react. Yeah. So it's like such a, a tricky, tricky position hooker that I think we all overlook. So mate, you get to sit there and talk to Cam Smith about it each week about that role. I mean, Man, the, the best thing, Cam, one of the best things he ever told me, I was like, mate, like, tell me why you were so good for so long. <laughs> like, tell me why. He didn't say I was so good. You know what? He's one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. Like, every time I try to call him the goat, he's like, no, don't say that. Don't say that. (laughs) Um, He goes, you you know why I went okay, Kempi? He said, because my physical attributes were never the strongest part of my game. He said, my mind was the strongest part of my game. So the more rugby league I played, the better I got. Whereas a lot of other players... They rely on their physical attributes to be good in, in the NRL. And I was like, that is genius. You're a genius, <laughs> sir. Uh, and it's true. It's yeah, true. Which is terrifying because he spent half his career with Cooper Cronk, who was that halfback as well. Mm, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And, it, you know, to, for, for like a perfect analogy in the NFL, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. You put him in a skill tester, all these blokes will slap him around. Mm. But it's between the ears that you can't compete with them. And Cam Smith was exactly the same. Like the Melbourne Storm didn't lose a ruck for 15 years. I know. and he, Regardless of who the forward pack was because of Smithy. Yeah. And he was so good at it, you didn't even know it was happening. Yeah. Like you could be – the casual fan would watch a Storm game and they wouldn't even notice Cam Smith. And you're like, he is so deceptively controlling this ruck right now. It's like he's not even on the field. It's, it's oh. insane. And insane. I know that he would never say, but I think it's one of the great robberies of all time that he never got a Clive Churchill. Because in those grand finals, he dominated the ruck in yeah. every single game. Even the games they lost, the Sharkies game, he made 72-odd tackles that game. It's amazing. It and gets. kept the Melbourne Storm pack in the contest. Mm. Yeah. 
It just, he's incredible. Yet if you said Cameron Smith's a running hooker, people would laugh at you. All you got to go, 2017, game three. Go watch that and tell me he's not a running hooker. That game, that was the week that he came out and said, I didn't run enough last week. I'm yep. gonna do and I remember I was at Suncorp. I was sitting behind the up, up sky high in the nosebleeds and just watched him. And you could just see he would get the ball, he'd get it dummy half, and he would just tell someone to run it for feeder or woods. Mm. Get them at marker, and then he would just play in a corridor for the rest of the set and just fuck around with them. So good. It was, one of the- it was just him and Slater just following each other. You could honestly, I reckon you could make an argument 2017 – is one of the greatest games a hooker's ever played. Like, he was phenomenal 2017 game three. Um, what do you got there, Manny? Oh, no, I'm just going to add on. I think as well, it's one of the best origin comebacks of all time, I, I feel, in more ways than one. Obviously, he reckons he had a bad game too. He came out in game three, as you said. I think Munster debuted in 17. But at halftime of game two, 2017, the Blues are up 1-0 and they're up 16-6. Like, all they had to do was win that half and they would have won the series. And Queensland They could have lost the half And still won the series Yeah Yeah And Queensland Dan Gagai scores a double And I was in the sheds After that game Working for the Blues Mate It was like a morgue in there wow. it, Like they 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 were devastated I've never seen Like Yeah it, it, they, they knew they'd really Cost themselves that game <sighs> Good old origin It's going to be here soon uh, Yeah back to Storm uh, Harry Grant, absolutely amazing. Uh, Jerome Hughes, pretty quiet for his standard. Uh, I thought that he was uh, a little bit quiet. Maybe he's going to take a, a bit to grow into the, the role. Uh, is it not the role, sorry, the year. Uh, is anyone else that stood out for you guys in the uh, Storm side? Just on Hughes, I think sometimes with, these team, with this team, like Munster was on and Harry Grant was on, they don't all tend to light it up every single game. All of them, there does tend to be yeah, a, a quieter point. party, quite usual. And I mean... You know, Jerome Hughes, for a quieter game, he ran for 143 metres at halfback. Mm. You know, like, um, still still had a pretty good game. But, uh, mate, the one that stood out to me was Josh King. He played the enti- he played 81 minutes. Best game for the club that he's had. By far and away. By a mile. And we were sitting here, you know, 18 months ago saying, geez, if Josh King's a guy that is talking, being spoken about in rep football, it won't surprise us because of who Bellamy is. It's taken a little bit longer, but you could see the Bellamy effect starting to come through on him the other night, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. You could genuinely you go, oh, where'd this guy come from? And you're like, no, no, he's just had needed maybe an extra 12 months to to find himself where, where he belongs in the in the, the storm side. But he was outstanding. I thought was good off the bench that Alec McDonald didn't play huge minutes, but when he came on the field, he was really strong. Defence was good. He takes really good hit-ups. I think he's a guy, another one that in two or three years we're going to go, oh, fuck, okay, Bellamy's done it with another guy Because wasn't he a guy that got pulled from Queensland Cup? Out of nowhere. Like, literally yep. out of nowhere. Uh, Bronson Garlic, congratulations on the debut. Had some uh, decent darts out of dummy half as well. Anyone stood out for you, Timmy? Uh, there's a couple there, mate, but like, I've still got my reservations about Melbourne. I thought they're... I wasn't overly convinced on their pack. We mentioned about how sort of Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, Harry Grant, their first half, no one really made much of an impact. Uh, Harry Grant, he might have had one run at half time, mm. And that was because I thought that they were losing the battle through the middle of the field. And, and this is really the concerns with, uh, you know, a different looking pack to previous years. Mm. Uh, King was outstanding. But again, just the fact that he had to play 80 minutes mm. in it is, I'm like, I have red flags around that. So... I mean, they, they came good in the second half, but against the best sides in the competition, and I mean, you can argue Parramatta are, but I don't think they were on the night. I just, you know, as you said, as good as your spine is, if they don't have the, the platform to go forward in the middle, 
I don't know how effective they can be. And my bigger concern is, I thought Nelson Sofosolomona was tremendous. He played, I think, 53 minutes for, like, that's more than his uh, game time, you know, basically his entire career. In round one, obviously there was extra four minutes of golden point. Mm. He had a charge down off Moses, I think it was, where he flew off the line and essentially saved them and then won them the game at the time. It was such an enormous play that I thought was completely missed by a lot of people. Like, he's so integral to this pack. If anything happens to a soft soul oh, owner, you know, we talk about the, the impact of how influential like Ben Honey's to the Dragons, Tommy Turbo is to Manly. We probably don't talk about it with forwards as much, but like if a Solomon is to get suspended or injured or anything, I, I'll have my big concerns about this Storm pack. And they have got a couple of guys come back into the pack, like Tarek Sims, Eisenhuth, but they're not those guys. Mm, no. You've got Kamakamiko, who can potentially be one of those guys, but Nelson is, especially like, and this is where I think Cheese leaves a massive hole, just a momentum guy. Now it's sort of down to Nass. Everyone else will be solid, but when you need someone to break it open, it's going to always have to be Nass. Yeah, it has to be Nass. Um he is truly like, I mean, he would at least be one of the most important forwards in a pack in the comp in regards to like most other top tier packs could lose a player. Like, for example, the Eels could lose, say, an RCG. And although, you know, whoever's replacing him is no, it's not RCG. But I don't think the impact is as strong. If they lose Nelson, like their go forward is and, yeah, it's quite and not even with the ball, that try that Cam Munster set up, who do you think was coming underneath him? It was the yeah. Sofa Solomon and was it, it was Penasini who overcommitted to it and it was it Mitch Moses or someone? It's like, what months did there to let the ball go? Eyes were gone. You're like, it was incredible. But of course you're going to overcommit when it was uh, Sofa Solomon. Anyone yeah. else? I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Look, I still think they scored because of what Munster was incredible, but they didn't stand a chance with, with what Munster did, letting go of the ball there, and Big Nelson getting those defenders to commit. And you oh. saw it last year. Um, Pappenhausen scored a number of tries off scrums mm. when they had Nelson stand there, and I love that they use him like that. Mm. Like, I think so many other teams should be doing it. I, th- like, I think Parramatta should be using Junior similar to that because yeah. like, they're, they're more dangerous when they don't have the ball mm. simply because you have to commit to them or mm. you're in curry. And I, I'd love to see more teams do well, it. We, we saw um, Borlo in this game. I know it was because of the, the poor Cameron Munster defensive read, but he got his one-on-one as a result of that. And it was like, I can't remember who he ran at. It was like, good luck stopping that. If you can isolate a big ball out wide yeah. on the half, like not a chance. Mm. It was something that the Warriors did a bit last year where they'd <coughs> use um, big um, AFB. Where, mm. you know, mm. He'd just be running a lot. He was never going to get the ball. But you just have to have your eyes on him yeah. at all time because you have to two-man him. Yeah. It just oh, creates space elsewhere. Uh, I thought Nick Meany also had a fair game. Really safe. Got through a bunch of work. Um, you know, he's just he's so important. You need the guys like Nick, Moore, Nick Meany in the squad because they're just so important to have this like NRL standard outside back that can fill in, do a job, do it quite well. Um, you know, he's not going to break the bank. He's probably on minimum, to be honest. But... You can guarantee, you know, a standard of play from him mm. that you just 
it's hard to find, man. It's not easy to be a week-in, week-out NRL standard footy player, especially for most likely minimum wage, uh, minimum uh, in the NRL wage. Um, so, yeah, the Storm, oh, going forward, I will say, um, yeah, it, oh. Munster being out is a huge loss, but this gives Jerome Hughes a chance to shine. Um, but, yeah, anything else on the Storm, boys? I thought uh, young Tonomapaya had a good game as well. He did a, did a couple of good things. I thought uh, Will Warbrick, too. He didn't get as many opportunities as what I thought he would, but I think that uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to have a big season. Yeah, st- be patient with Warbrick because in the trials he was incredible. I think there's a huge upside for this guy. It's one of those games similar to Carl Pieri, say for the Titans. The ball just didn't come his way mm, in, mm. In, in good ball. So just be – yeah, as you said, be patient because oh, I think he'll score a number of tries this year. Yep, and it, it may take him, you know, 12, 10 rounds to really find his confidence and his where he needs to pop up, when he can go on for a scoot, when he can't go on for a scoot. Uh, I think he's going to be something special by the end of the year. Good to see uh, Christian Welsh back running around again. Yeah, and I thought he flows. was good. I thought he was good. Again, yeah. the Achilles – it's not an easy comeback. Yeah, for a front row, it's a front huge Front rower. Injury. So I just want to give the Storm a massive congratulations, though. Like, that achievement that they continue to deliver, it is phenomenal. I say it every week ad nauseum. This is a world-class system that any business in any industry could learn something from. You know, I understand we, we always look at ourselves like, oh, look, it's just we're little Australia and little NRL that's only on the eastern seaboard, really, of Australia. That doesn't change the fact that this is a world-class system. We're witnessing one of the greatest systems in Australian sport history, in my opinion. Even when they bring in guys that you would look at that squad at the moment, yeah, they've got an incredible spine, but like they shouldn't be able to continue to do this, and they do do it. I've just said, sat there and said I was not really overly impressed by them, yet they still found a way to win in Golden Point against last year's grand finalists. Away. Like it, away. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And if you would have gone back, you know, to round five or six last year and said to me, who do you think is going to win the Daly M? I would have said Ryan Pappenhausen. Mm. He was incredible was, to start yeah. last mm. season. We haven't even mentioned that he's missing. He's missing. Side. They're missing people. Like, they're missing at least three or four starters. Um, so, massive congratulations to the Storm. What an incredible system. And the only reason why we say, oh, they weren't that overly impressive is because we are comparing them to Melbourne Storm. Yeah. It's it's a like it's like Tom Brady like when he doesn't win a Super Bowl it's like oh it's a bad year because Storm have set such a high standard that it's a compliment to say that we aren't impressed it's a compliment because any other team if if Eels came out and did what Storm did I would have said how good Eels have shown grit they've learned from last year yeah they didn't play well but they got the job done but it's because we're talking about the Melbourne Storm here and I think you mentioned it earlier but once again if you take Kenny Bromwich and Felice and put them back in this side. I don't know if Parramatta scores 12. Yeah. Their defence was pretty good, even though they've lost their two edges, who their entire defence has been built around for the last 10 years. There's an argument to be made that Bromwich, especially Kofusi, are the best wide-running defenders in the last 10 years. Anyone you talk to that's played with them will swear by that. I think it's no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, I'm just Defensively speaking, Defensively speaking, the last 10 to 15 years, put it this way, I would defensively, Kafusi and Bromwich, I would put them up against any defence edge row, back rower that's played the game. Mm. That's how good I think they are in defence. Yes, they may not, I mean, Kafusi was jamming blokes yesterday, but like, yes, they may not have the huge highlight reel hits, but when you're talking about squeaky clean reads, squeaky clean wrestle, squeaky clean everything, they do it perfectly, perfectly. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.